Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast, and this is Casey McLean. Another solo episode. I'm in my living room recording. Uh, I had, I did a really amazing show last night at Four Horsemen Brewing in Kent, which it's it's funny because Kent, Washington is like, it's like Seattle light. It's like uh, one of my friends used to call like Kent, every city between Tacoma and Seattle, he called like, he called it the armpit of Washington. And Kent is one of those cities, but it's, it's definitely a city where it starts to become more like Seattle than the cities uh, south of it. But I think that I found the dividing line because this is, uh, it's like a rural, like Kent is like has city parts, it's like a very diverse city, but this part is like, oh shit, this part belongs to Enumclaw. This this part of Kent belongs more to Enumclaw than it does to uh, to Kent. And I showed up at this show, and it's this like rural area in Kent. Uh, I arrive, I get out of my car, I'm walking past this guy on a cell phone. And he goes, uh, he goes, I don't know. Is he driving a Prius? He better fucking not be. He was specifically looking at my Prius. He, his friend, he didn't know what his friend was driving, but he's literally just shitting on my car as I walk past him. And that guy ended up being one of the best audience members at the show. He was rowdy. Him and his group were rowdy, but they were, they ended up being some of the most fun and they all bought shirts or at least Two of the three guys brought bought shirts. Some of my favorite audience members. Uh, I worked with Susan Rice, who is, by the way, if you don't know Susan Rice and you like Pacific Northwest comedy, she's one of the best we've ever had. One of the best that's ever come out of the area. So make sure to go find her. She has a podcast called, I think it's like, Stop Me If I've... What is it? Let me... Hold on. I've listened to it a little bit actually and i don't normally listen to many local podcasts it's called i think it's called like stop me if you've heard this before her and art krug susan rice she's also has the unfortunate uh stop me if i've heard this that's what it is i think it's probably wherever you get podcasts they most recently put an episode out july 28th i think they might have taken a hiatus at one point during uh, during the COVID pandemic, but anyway, 
uh susan rice this really amazing headliner uh very funny very sweet lady she's super nice to comics she i worked with her i worked with her one time i think i figured we figured it out it was like january 2019 i think i figured out that's when i worked with her last that's the only time she's been i've i've known her a little bit from like i've uh She's almost, <laughs> this is the story. There's been a couple occasions where I've known of what's going on with Susan Rice when I wasn't actually working with her. One of those times I was in, uh, I was in Richland, Washington. It's actually the last time I worked Joker's Comedy Club with Augie Smith. And we found out that Susan Rice had injured herself getting off stage at a, at a nearby comedy show. And so we were like ready to go visit, uh, Augie and I, we were both, I would say that I was right at, let's call it right at the legal limit for legal reasons. Um, and the other time is past podcast guest, Todd Royce worked with Susan Rice and Susan, Susan Rice is, a uh, she's in her. She talks about it in her act. I think I'm okay to say it. She's in her late 60s. And she brings a step with her just in case the stage doesn't have an adequate step to get on stage. And wherever they were at, that was the case. There wasn't a step, like a great step for Susan Rice to get on stage. And if you're not familiar with Todd Royce, he's a uh, friend of mine. He's the reason I got to go to Phoenix, Arizona a couple weeks ago. He's a very good comic. He's 400 plus pounds. And he put, he took one step onto Susan Rice's step and it just absolutely disintegrated underneath him. And the reason that I got to find out about it is because Todd immediately messages me and goes, dude, I just destroyed Susan Rice's step. She doesn't even know yet. What do I do? And I talked him through it. He ended up buying her a new step, which by the way, probably I would suspect that completely ate up the amount that he made on the show because I know what show it was. And uh, I think it's one of those situations where like Susan was probably telling him not to buy it. Not that he didn't have to, he didn't have to replace it, but Todd's a good guy. And so he replaced the step. Um, it was very fun. I did not realize my friend, Mike Coletta books the show. And one thing I did not realize until after the show is that Susan Rice prefers a somewhat clean opener. And, uh, I did like semi-clean material for about the first 24 minutes that I was on stage. And then this joke has become a topic of conversation on this podcast, but I did my ass-eating joke, which does well, and it did well. And you can watch, by the way, like, I would say by the end of the joke, usually close to 100% of the crowd is on board. But it is a six-minute-long joke about how I think it's gross to eat ass. And so for some people, it's off-putting at the beginning. 
I do think it gets it gets them. It wins them over at the end. Almost everybody. But you can watch people, and usually it's broken down. It's split on demographics, on, on age demographics. Who's going to hate this joke to start with? And who's going to be into it? And uh, I would say I thought about that. In retrospect, I probably should close. I should have closed on something else. Uh, should have closed on something cleaner. But it is hilarious, the idea of this 69-year-old woman who's, like I said, she's one of the best comics to ever come out of the Northwest. She's got a, uh, I hesitate to call people legends because everybody thinks that when you call them a legend, that just means that they're old. Uh, but Susan Rice is a legend in the area. In the, in the Pacific Northwest. And to, like she's been doing comedy for like 40 years or longer. And she's got to hear some dumb fucking 35-year-old spend six minutes talking about eating ass before she goes up. Probably a, a miscalculation on my part. Um, If you do want to see me do stand-up, I have some limited dates coming up because... I'm uh I'm a busy boy. I'm a busy boy else otherwise. Next weekend, uh if you're listening to this, not next weekend, it's August thirteenth and fourteenth. I will be in Spokane, Washington. Um I'll be opening for Bobcat Goldthwaite. So that'll be good. Uh I the next weekend I will be in Portland, but I don't think I'll be doing comedy there we'll see we will see uh and then check the kcmcclain.com slash calendar i'm starting a show at airport tavern in tacoma it's going to be a weekly wednesday show at 8 p.m there will be one show a month that's like a host feature headliner where i'll have a headliner and then the other ones are going to be not like goofball themes but they're going to be a way to make it so that the local comedy scene can fill 52 weeks of comedy that are still entertaining, you know? So come on out to that, please. I'll have more details as time goes on, but if you have any doubts, just check out the Casey McLean on all social media. I'm sure I'll be posting about it like crazy. Thank you for uh, checking all that out. Anyway, next weekend is my daughter's second birthday and it was very funny because susan rice she opened after she spent a lot of time talking about uh the ass eating joke on stage (laughs) she talked about a birthday party she had gone to and described complained about birthday parties becoming these events these embarrassing, gaudy events. And I'm now thinking about how... uh, So I didn't even invite any comics. No comics are coming to my daughter's second birthday. It's just non-comic friends of ours who have kids. That's almost the entire invite list and then close family. And it's it's still going to be like fucking 30 people if everyone shows up so we got uh 
you know, we got some entertainment in the house. We got some entertainment outside the house. We got, I bought, uh, like a hundred something beers slash ciders slash hard seltzers. Uh, we got, we're going to make a pitcher of cocktails. We got kids drinks. We got brisket. We got burgers. We got hot dogs. We got, uh, what's that shit called? Corn pudding. We're going to make some kind of like caprese salad that some bullshit like that. We're the problem. We're the exact problem that Susan Rice was talking about. It was very fun to hear someone just describe the you describe you immediately. They jump on stage and describe you perfectly. The thing that they are annoyed by is something that you are doing very soon. It was very funny to me. Um, here I am reading a text message on oh okay i'm gonna talk about a couple other things i don't have a ton of um i want to start talking about sports more because i'm starting to care about sports again it was hard in the height of the pandemic and especially after the the period of time i mean i literally like the first sports i watched my wife and i spent like an hour and a half watching the cornhole championship on espn And the Cornell Championship is pretty much exactly as you'd expect. It's guys wearing their masks wrong. And then one guy has to hold like a counterweight Yeti. Uh, what's that called? Like a Yeti tumbler. So that he, because he's played cornhole with a beer in his hand his whole life. So he has to be counterweighted by this Yeti tumbler. But the Simone Biles thing has continued to be a story. And there's, as as per usual, I feel like both sides of this argument are getting it pretty wrong. We're so fucking extreme. Everything has to be so extreme now. Simone Biles has to either be a hero or a... a uh, what do you call that? A traitor to her country. And I think what's started to happen is, and I said this last week, I think it's, I think it's good that, that kids have role models who are aware of their mental health. I don't necessarily think it's good for sports to have people. I mean, sports, the entire like, uh, MO of sports, every, story that we've heard about for a hundred years is somebody sacrificing their physical and mental health for a championship. Um, now do I think that's like, so there's a part of me that's like the teams that I'm rooting for. Of course I don't want people taking mental health breaks. I want to see the team that I like win a championship. But I'm also the father of a child who, like, I would like it if she was struggling with her mental health to not, uh, like, trigger herself to harm herself so that she could be, like, good at fucking soccer or something like that, you know? So, um, that being said... I feel like what's happened is there's this comedian. Oh man, I'm debating. I'm not going to say his name, but, 
only because I could end up working with him at some point. I have a pretty hard and defined rule about talking shit about comedians in a way that, like, I mean, by the way, this podcast is not big enough that it would stop this guy from getting work. But he's one of these guys that, like, he's a tough guy. He's a, his public persona is a tough guy. And he has to, he's a, he has the, it's like he waits to find out what the popular opinion is. And this then just comes out with like a full on straw man, an angry straw man argument against the people who are against his side. So like most of the country, literally like I haven't seen a single person actually say, that Simone Biles is a traitor to her country or a disappointment. What I have seen are like 700 people recreating this meme of like a fat guy in his bed watching the Olympics making fun of Simone Biles. And there's this this comic that just everything is like, here's the most popular opinion said as though it is the least popular opinion and I'm brave fighting against my enemies. It's so fucking annoying. And he's not a local comic. He's a famous comic. And I don't think he could ever damage my career, but I don't want to get in the habit of shit-talking comedians. But <sighs> we've reached like this this tipping point where it's there's now way more people talking about Simone Biles detractors than there are actual Simone Biles detractors. I went to a live music show on Saturday. Yes, Saturday. I'm not a big, I think it's safe to say I'm not a big live music guy. My wife's best friend plays in this band called the Top Tankers which is a bunch of music educators. They played at this place called the Parkway Tavern, which was my first favorite Tacoma bar. And it was great. It was fun. It's like, it's so fun to be back out doing stuff. And I honestly, like, I am trying to measure and calibrate how fun it is to be out of the house after spending most of 15 months being inside the house or away from people isolated, very small bubble, etc. How much of my resistance to this, like return to masking, like, I guess, I guess I, I think the the whole time that I said this last week, but the fact that the vaccine has gone from, I think, unarguably Trump's greatest accomplishment. And as much as any president, he's not responsible for this thing that happened because it's not like Donald Trump was in a lab or Joe Biden would have been in a lab or or Hillary Clinton would have been in a lab 
making this happen. But for his part, under Donald Trump, this fucking vaccine got fast-tracked faster than any vaccine ever. This should be the crowning achievement of his presidency is this vaccine. And it's become so political that Donald Trump's crowning achievement, his own supporters don't want to take it. And of course, the super easy, if you're a liberal like myself, the super easy way to look at this is to go like, well, these all the Trump supporters are stupid. They're all stupid and evil. Anyone who thinks that the, the, I think you could measure someone's intelligence by how prevalent they believe true evil is in this country. Because I think it's almost, I think there's almost, true evil is incredibly rare. And also probably, by the way, if we're, if we're in, if we're so goddamn, uh, if we're so empathetic to mental illness, it also probably is accompanied by severe mental illness. And I think most people think that what they're doing is the right thing. Sometimes maybe laziness and greed become a larger part of that, that equation. But I think laziness and greed, we could see that in the animal kingdom. That's not evil. Those are instincts that we all have. Yeah, so the fact that the fact that we as a country, conservatives and liberals alike, fucked the rhetoric up so much that people are anti-vaccine is wild. Also, I think that the way that the numbers, the present numbers are being depicted seem very clearly to me like not only the media is running out, there's no more boogeymen for the media. If COVID goes away right now, I don't even know what the fuck Biden is doing. I haven't seen Biden talk in fucking four months. I mean, I'm sure he's doing it. I'm sure he's talking. I have no idea what he's doing. I am checked out like a lot of Americans. The only thing keeping some people around on some of those news stations is the ability to moralize and hate their neighbors because they're not treating COVID the same as I am. Here's what I believe based on data. And I have a data background. What I believe is that this vaccine has made a significant impact on not only contraction rate, but hospitalization rate case fatality rate essentially i believe essentially by creating a vaccine and widely administering the vaccine i think that we're kind of acknowledging that this thing's going to be around for a while it's not going to go away i mean there's like hundreds and thousands hundreds of thousands of infections but those infections are very unlikely to lead to death. They're very unlikely to lead to hospitalization. They are less likely than unvaccinated people to lead to spread. And there's shit that's being reported on these. The same thing that was like a feature of the vaccine a couple months ago is now being reported as a bug. Like, 
oh, there can be breakthrough cases. Yeah, we've known that the whole time. Well, there can be deaths. Yeah, of course. The amount of deaths are so small that they are functionally zero. Yeah, there can be transmission. Yeah. It reduced transmission by 50% last I heard. This is like months ago. And now they're like, well, it only reduces it by 50%. Like, we were marveling at this thing until it became a way to throw a wedge in between two people on opposite sides of the political aisle. And it's just frustrating because I feel like, I mean, maybe this is like, for comedy specifically, I think it's, it's uh, it makes it volatile. There's been great shows and there's people who are like very sensitive right now. And, and, uh, and, uh, Lindsey Graham, by the way, he tested positive for COVID and I, I saw this fucking insane Twitter thread where people are like, oh yeah, he's going to pretend like he's vaccinated. Well, what do we want Lindsey Graham to do? First off, we want him to get vaccinated. That's what we want. But him pretending to get vaccinated, let's say he was pretending. That's probably still also good, right? That's encouraging his constituents who are right now some of the most uh, vaccine skeptical people in the country. Yeah, I think we want them to think that Lindsey Graham got vaccinated. If you believe that the vaccine works and that's our way out of this, um, but also we knew there'd be breakthrough cases. This is, this is, we, the vaccine, if, if Lindsey Graham is vaccinated, it provides increased immunity compared to where we were at a year ago. So all these like threats of like, well, we're going to have to wear masks indoors again and, and we're going to lock down. That is not. These people weren't wearing masks a year ago. The people you're worried about. The people who aren't yet vaccinated. It's the rhetoric is so fucked. We're so stupid. Not that I have any great answer, by the way. I just, what the, the fact that we've gotten here is such a bad indicator. So I'm basically on like, I'm not where I got vaccinated in March first I've said it on this podcast a bunch of times, but the first chance I had to get the vaccine, I got it. Once my family was vaccinated, I resumed normal life. Uh, am I outliving completely recklessly hoping to get COVID? Absolutely not. Am I maskless in places? Well, that pretty much depends on, I'll give you my calculus on this. I still carry a mask with me everywhere. I'm not passionate at all about other people wearing a mask. And frankly, at this point, I don't even give a shit if they're vaccinated or not. Um, if I walk into a grocery store and the staff is wearing masks, I'll put on my mask because... To me, it's out of respect for people who, especially in jobs like that, especially working at a grocery store, 
are underpaid for the risk they've been asked to take for the last almost two years. And I mean, I guess it's 15 months or whatever, but also like the grocery store that I go to, there's actually, I mean, of course, like many places, there are a lot of new employees, but there's people who stuck it out the whole time. And so for those people, I'll wear a mask. And I don't even think necessarily they all want to wear masks, but out of respect for them, the fact that they're maybe, maybe that's the grocery store mandate still. I'll wear one in that circumstance. Um, and then lastly, you actually might've been able to hear it. I'm still having fucking fireworks go off my house. Okay. Last year was worse. Last year, it felt like they went off from the beginning of June till the end of August. And today we had like some class B mortars go up in the air and it's just so fucking, and it went up during the day. Listen, I get, I get when I was into fireworks, I was into shit that was destructive and loud. That's what I wanted out of fireworks. I don't care about pretty. I want to see a plastic bucket turned into shrapnel. Okay. But now that I'm old and boring, put your fucking fireworks away. Also, I think everybody that lives around me is too old to be using fireworks like that anyway. So if you're out there and you, and you still have fireworks from the 4th of July and you're lighting them off in fucking August, you're a piece of shit. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, please come out and see me do stand up. Support this podcast on anchor.fm. Uh, uh, find me on, uh, if you want to support this podcast financially, find me on Venmo at the Casey McLean. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, Hopefully there will be, we have some, I have a couple, uh, a couple things brewing comedy wise. So hopefully I'll have more to announce in the next couple weeks. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon.